Assalamu alaikum and hello. Welcome to the Mindful Muslim podcast. On this episode, I'll be speaking with the amazing Raisa Giwala. She's a personal coach. We spoke about divorce and relationships and how to find peace and clarity within relationships during divorce and also importantly after divorce. Um, it's an amazing conversation and I really hope it helps you spiritually, mentally, psychologically, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum, Raisa. Thank you so much for joining me on the Mindful Muslim podcast today. How are you doing? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. I am awesome and I'm so excited to be here. Always love talking to people who are out and about sharing wonderful messages and bringing us closer to our fitrah. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Amazing. Well, um, it'd be great if you could tell us a bit about yourself. Tell us what got you where you are today, I suppose, with, um, I believe you're a personal coach. Is that right? Yes, I am. Okay, so how did I get here? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a story of my life, right? So um, I am the divorced Muslim coach. That's how I put myself out into the world. And how I got to, to that point is... Um, going through a really high conflict divorce after 17 years of marriage, this was about eight years ago, um, I decided that what ended up happening is this test for me brought me to a place and a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and myself in a way that I never knew before. So, uh, you know, my goal now is to help other women who are going through the roughest time of their life in a when, when their marriage breaks down in a breakup, um, going through a divorce to help them use this experience, this test to also come back to their fitra, to come back closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and use this as a means to elevate themselves, their character for this life and elevate spiritually in the eyes of Allah. So it's a win-win for them and become the best version of themselves for their next chapter. Amazing. So um, would you say, was it going through your own divorce is what motivated you to want to support this particular group of women? Or were there uh, other things involved that really motivated you? Primarily this, because I felt that, you know, um, I am traditionally trained as a pharmacist and I've been doing that for like 24 years. Um, so I've put that to the side and I'm focusing on this because I realized that I went through this experience for a reason and for a purpose and it it was um, it sprouted up in my heart that you know if I can go through this and come out elevated um, anyone else can everyone else can and so there has to be a purpose and a reason behind going through such a, a such a difficult test for for a Muslim for a woman and so I you know I felt inspired. I felt inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I did not go through this for any, uh, you know, for, for in vain. I did go through this for a reason and a purpose. So that's what's really spoke to my heart um, to really help other women along the path as I've also been helped as well. Mm. It's amazing to hear that you want to um, use your own experiences to help others. Um, just on that journey, uh, what kind of, um, was there any sort of pivotal moments in your life or, or real triggers that, that um, again, motivated you to begin helping others with it? Because I can imagine it can be quite challenging and you don't sort of reach it, you know, straight away after your divorce. I'm sure there was uh, lots of reflection and time that you took. Yeah, that's a great question. It is a journey, right? And that's what this life in this world is. It's a journey of us coming from Allah walking on this path with Allah to return back to Allah. And so for me, that those moments, you talk about triggers and you talk about, <clears throat> you're asking me about what was a reflection like. For me, during that time when I was separating, it was very extremely painful because 
I had lived a life of codependency my whole life. And so when all the doors are being shut, when all of the people are no longer available for you that you used to rely on, um, there was nowhere else to turn except to turn up to Allah. And so in, in that way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed me <clears throat> where my reliance was, showed me who my reliance needs to be on. And so it was a journey of literally, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala holding my hand and me reaching out to him uh, because there, there is no one else. There is no one or nothing else. And Allah is the ultimate source for us. So I was shown bit by bit by bit. And when I asked for help, when I asked for support, I asked for sabr, I asked for healing. I didn't get that on a silver platter. <laughs> we don't, that's not how it works. I, I was given multiple tests after tests after tests uh, within myself, uh, with, with my children, with my life. Uh, all of these things to help me to turn back to Allah in every one of those tests in order to um, in order to overcome the test and become successful in it meaning have meaning learn a lesson from it meaning grow from it meaning expand from it and then also to become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lovely um my next question sort of comes in two parts i'd love you to share how long you've been doing your personal coaching for and working with women how long that's been since when and the other is um in your experience thus far what kind of um are, are common things that you think couples face in marriages mm. yeah i love that question i have a lot to say about that second question <laughs> um so as I was going through my own healing, and like I said, I, I didn't, I don't want to say I found, but I asked Allah and Allah sent the people to me to help me, coaches, uh, mentors, counselors. And during the, on that journey, I, that's when I decided, look, I'm benefiting so much from this. This is, I'm inspired to do this for others. So I became certified as a high performance coach. I became certified as a back to the fitra educator, mentor, and coach. Um, as I was doing my own healing journey. And I've been doing this um, with divorced Muslim women since 2017. And I've worked with women one-on-one. -on -one. I've worked with, I, I work also with women in a group uh, setting, you know, I, I building a sisterhood. And I've also worked with men. I've also worked with um, t teenagers now. And I've also worked with uh, married couples. And to answer that question, to get into the, to that question, um, what type of things are couples facing in marriage? And I think one of the biggest things that I've learned and I've seen is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts us together, joins hearts and puts us together with our partner. And he knows who he's putting who together with and why. And I think uh, one of the common pitfalls and mistakes is that we get triggered with our childhood wounds or are the places in us that need to be healed, let's put it that way, um, through our most intimate connections, our parents, our children, our partners, our spouse, right? Our siblings even. However, this mar marital relationship is not a bond through blood, right? Whereas the parents, children, siblings, they are a bond through blood. So we have obligation to maintain those blood ties. However, with the, with the marriage and the, and the spouse, living together day in, day out, you will connect with each other and, the, and you will have moments of being uh, stimulated or triggered to things that are within you that need to be healed. And the biggest mistake that I see is that when the, when that happens, um, right away, either we're not taught or we don't understand or we don't know, we blame the other person for you made me, you made me, ang you're making me angry, you're upsetting me, you're frustrating me and not taking ownership or responsibility. Wait a minute. I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling frustrated. Well, th I own the, those emotions and they, that belongs to me. Why? Because in that, those feelings, we like to say it back to the Fitra Academy, that that's a love letter from Allah to you to pause, to see, okay, there is something in here that I need to learn that I need to heal from. And that's between me and Allah, because the mistake is that if we believe that everything, like whatever our partner is doing is causing is to blame for our emotional state or well-being, anger, sadness, you know, frustration, whatever it is, 
then we're missing the point, number one. And then the other pitfall of that is we can become justified to treat our partner in a way we think that they deserve because we, we believe that they're, to they're the cause of our feelings. Mm. What, so what, did that make sense? You're really making me think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, crystal clear, actually. Um, uh, I want to move on a little bit. I'm sure we'll touch on this again. But let's move on a little bit about certain, I suppose we could call warning signs that um, a partner might see in their marriage that should signal to them, I should be thinking about divorce? Mm. Well, <clears throat> first I want to say that divorce is the ultimate last resort. Like we don't want to, you know, we don't want to head to divorce for every friction, <laughs> for every, you know, struggle, because in partnerships and relationships in life, we're going to have ups and downs. And, and, we need we are capable of not running away every time there is a friction right allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us that way resilient um in, uh, you know intelligent um and then you add taqwa and tawakkal in there uh allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us this person is giving us this test for a reason so uh, the divorce would be you know with multiple signs you know um so <clears throat> you talk about warning signs when they come up things to notice um as I mentioned earlier, you know, when talking about the self, when you're looking at your own self, um, I talked about blaming your partner, right? However, that could happen on the other side as well, right? Your partner could blame you for their feelings and, and project that onto you and dump that onto you and say like, oh, because you did this, I got angry or I yelled or I did this or I did that, right? Not taking ownership for their own behavior, their own actions. So that's number one, recognizing that. And once we recognize that, well, what do we do, right? Because when we're in those situations, it's human nature to become defensive. When you're being attacked or when you're being <clears throat> oppressed or suppressed in some way or unjustly accused, uh, it's human nature to become defensive and then like fight back, right? However, that just creates two egos fighting and that doesn't solve the issue. So learning how to allow the other person to take not even if they don't take ownership for their feelings and their actions learning to leave that for them and you take you deal with your okay what is this bringing up for me uh, these feelings of upset of anger of um you know being treated unfairly or unjustly and we see this in kids you know why kids get angry but then they get suppressed because when they feel you know, unjustness or unfairness that they're being treated that way, it's human nature to retaliate. It's human nature to speak up, right? But the thing is that we don't want to just take our uh, feelings. I'm going to call them, I'm going to purposely say feelings of anger, frustration, unfairness, and then just throw it back to the other person because it will cause an explosion. We want to be mindful. Okay, well, what needs to be done? Meaning having clarity. What's the, what needs to be done? What needs to be said? What's the right thing that needs to be expressed? And expression and communication is very key and important in relationships. And especially when we're talking about marriage here. Many of us don't know how to express and communicate in an authentic way that doesn't attack the other person. So... So like, you know, I was just reading something the other day where a wife was talking about how, you know, she was so upset with her husband's um, behavior. So then she started telling him how his behavior was causing her all these problems. Of course, that's going to make someone defensive as well, right? So how, do, how can we communicate in a calm, neutral uh, way, actually in the prophetic way and the way the Prophet ﷺ used to, you know, give nasiha or, or give advice is you can't be emotionally heightened because then your emotions are what's going to get communicated and not the message. Um, so, you know, to kind of sum that up, the warning signs would be when you're being attacked or blamed for someone else's feelings or actions. Now in that, um, this is why self-reflection is so important, you know, to reflect on in a relationship, there's two parts. 
you have a role that you play and the other person has a role that they play. You take responsibility and ownership for yours and you allow the other person to take responsibility and ownership for theirs. And with all the women that I've worked with, what gets happened is that the women take responsibility for everything. They take that upon themselves and it's, just a, it's a learned uh, behavior. Uh, so learning to separate what's yours and what's not yours and then how are you going to show up in, in communicating to this person um, what is wrong. And, and we call this setting limits or setting boundaries, right? Of what type of behavior is acceptable, what is not acceptable. Um, but for that, you have to know yourself and you have to have that level of God-centric self-love first to be able to know that and to communicate that. Amazing. That was really clear. Um, I'm very interested to know more about how one can go about that sort of self-reflection um, to really begin to understand your own feelings to then be able to separate. Are there sort of um, initial uh, guidance that you, that you give the people that you work with? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and you're right about that. You know, in my journey, most of my life up until I was going through my divorce, I had no idea about self-awareness. My whole life was revolving around what other people were doing, what other people were saying, how other people were perceiving me. Uh, and that's how I related with myself. I, I had no idea what was meant that there was such a thing as self-awareness, like there, that there was such a thing as the self, like a relationship with yourself. That exists whether you realize it or not. And, um, it, you know, one of the things that Allah SWT tells us in the Quran is to contemplate and to reflect and like how an hour of reflection and contemplation is greater than, you know, uh, I don't remember the figure, but it's greater than uh, thousands of, of units of worship, okay? Because how I like to explain it in my, in my course is that what is the goal of Ramadan? The goal of Ramadan is taqwa, right? It's attaining taqwa, which is God consciousness. Right. Some people describe it as fear of Allah or, you know, I like to describe it as consciousness of Allah. However, we can never get there if we don't have self-consciousness. And, and, and what is that? What is self-consciousness? Self-consciousness is self-awareness, awareness of that you're individual with thoughts, with feelings and that they belong to you and they don't come from any like anything outside of you. Your, your thinking patterns and your, your, how you're feeling about yourself, about life, about whatever's going on is a reflection of your own internal reality. So um, the first thing is becoming aware of the self and, that, and how you exist in this world. And part of you know, what I teach to help people understand that is understanding how their human psychological experience works meaning that we are a spiritual being housed in a physical body having a spiritual psychological experience in a physical world that we live in so yes there is to understand like where do our thoughts come from what do they mean and uh, the the gist of it is very simple however the understanding of it is very very deep meaning that our feelings are always being created by our thought in the moment. Meaning that no one can make us feel anything and we can't make other people feel anything because it's an inside job. Meaning uh, that our feelings are not coming from our circumstance or our situation or what someone is doing or saying. Our feelings are always coming from our thinking around those things. So, it takes the power out of the person, the situation, and the circumstance, and it takes it puts the power back within us. And that is what Allah SWT has blessed us with, has empowered us with, creating our own reality, being conscious of our own reality. And then from that space, that affects how you show up. Hmm. It just leads me to think about sort of when you hear people say, that person makes me feel good or I fell in love with that person because that because they make me feel good what what are your thoughts on that yeah I love that it's so true and 
majority of the world operates like that. <laughs> I, I, I believe that as well until I understood how it really works. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not put, give anybody or anything, anyone or anything, power over us to control our feelings. So when we say, oh, this person made me feel so happy, it's not the person that is making you feel happy. It's your thinking that you're having around this person that is, that is reflecting your feelings. Your feelings are just, are just indicating to you the quality of your thoughts, your thinking that's going on. And get this, Yvonne, 95% of our thinking is at the subconscious level. Have you heard that before? Not 95%. <laughs> yes. Well, there, there are statistics saying 90%, 95%, but well, a big portion, the majority of our thinking happens at the subconscious level. Like, I mean, do we think about getting up in the morning and going to refreshing ourselves, to brush our teeth, to like, you know, even driving? Like, all of these things are done subconsciously, right? We're not actively, consciously thinking about the steps we need to take to do these things. And that's how we work as a human being un until, like most of us are on autopilot in life, just doing, 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 whatever we've been trained or conditioned, programmed to do. However, as a human being, we are capable of so much more than that. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has elevated the human creation above all other creations because he's given us intelligence and intellect and he's given us the ability to be conscious, to choose what we are going to do and to attach our intention behind it of why we're going to do it, right? And so um, it's, not, it's not the person that's making you feel that way. It's the thinking that you're having going on deep down inside around this person. And that's all attached to, uh, your values, it's attached to your beliefs, it's attached to your sense of self and your sense of worth. We all have it, whether we realize it or not. It's been conditioned, it's there underneath, whether we're aware of it or not. And the journey is all about becoming aware. And all of that that you mentioned, all the programming, all those things that are already essentially present inside us, how much of that do you believe is, um... I mean, genetics and how much of that do you think is our childhood and our upbringing and our parents and our babyhood? Yeah, that's a great question. When I say it's already inside of us, and I mean programmed is, it's our nurturing, okay? There is our fitra that is hardwired in us. The way we come, when we come from Jannah into our mother's womb into this world, we come hardwired on the fitra. What does that mean? That means that we are hardwired to seek Allah, to know Allah, to worship Allah. And if we don't find that, we will seek and know and worship other than Allah. And that will start seeping into our heart because that's, that's how we're, we're designed. And then, you know, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that says every child is born as a, uh, on the fitra on, uh, on Islam. It's his parents that make him a Christian or a Jew or an atheist or a Muslim, right? Like uh, that nurture that, that faith within them. So, yes, when I talk about programming, what I'm specifically referring to is our, uh, how we've been um, nurtured in our environment. Allah knows, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows which parents he's given us, which time he's, you know, brought us into this world in, um, the environments, the experiences, the tests and all those. He knows what he sent to us. However, it's the, it's how we process our life and our childhood experiences, how we process them and the beliefs that we adopt from going through that, right? And it's also the way we cope with hard times, the coping mechanisms that we've developed uh, to stay safe, to stay secure, and to, to survive in, 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 our, in our world. And that starts, you know, from birth. It starts from birth um, of what we adopt. And the human is a very capable species of adapting and surviving 
alhamdulillah, shukrallah. Like that's how amazing we are. Um, however, you know, the beliefs and the coping mechanisms we adopt in our childhood are very immature, right? They're childlike thinking. They're childlike um, adaptations of how to survive. And if we're not conscious, we the default is we carry those thinking patterns, those coping patterns into our adulthood because it's just, you know, by the time we're seven years old, everything's programmed in our subconscious, how we respond to stress, how we respond to anger, how we respond to joy, how we respond to fear. So it just kicks in like a program and we're not aware. However, as an adult, when as we become conscious, we get to uncover what those thinking patterns are. Are they helpful? Are they harmful? Um, you know, I picked them up when I was a child, but I'm a, a mature adult now. I don't have to choose to keep thinking in those ways, in those patterns. And I can find new, healthier coping mechanisms to help me deal with my life and my stress. And that's where turning to Allah um, and taqwa and tawakkal come in. Mm, amazing. I think you've just shared so much knowledge there. Um, thank you. Um, do you think one of the reasons why then we as adults can find it difficult to change our uh, behaviors and our thinking is because of the subconscious and all that programming that we had as a child, as you say, till the age of seven, it's pretty much all there. Um, is that what makes it difficult to then, one, be aware of how you're thinking and, and behaving, and then secondly, to try to change it? Mm. That can very well be. That can very well be. Because really, if you, if you look into it, we're just a program. You know, as a species, we're just a program acting out our programming. However, this is where what I mentioned earlier about blame comes in. Okay, um, taking accountability, taking responsibility for your thinking, your feelings, your behaviors, your actions, your decisions. This is why it's so important because when we start doing that, we can uncover all the things within us that we would like to change because most people know what they need to do, but why is it that they're not doing it? And most people, like, if if you choose or you dare to look within, you'll find, well, I want to be better at this. I want to be a better human. That's part of our fitra. We are driven to be better human beings, you know, to, to elevate and to, and to live with ahsan. That's part of our birthright. That's hardwired in us. And it's difficult. Why? Because we have to fight against our nafs. We have to fight against our ego because our ego and, and the way that our ego is trying to keep us safe and protected. And that's what it did in childhood. So it's going to fight against you. Oh, no, no, it's this person's fault. Oh, no, no, you know, it, it can't be you. It has to be someone else. And then shaitan gets in there and he uh, solidifies those thinking patterns. So then you get stuck and you get lost. And this is why we need mentorship. We need guidance uh, because our ego can very easily spin us around and take us for a loop and take us to the other side, you know, Um if we're not aware of how there's a difference between how we feel and truth. And many times we believe what we, what we're feeling is truth. When, when the truth only lies with Allah. So how do we get there? How do we get to that level of clarity and that closeness where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removes those veils for us to allow us to see from our spiritual heart what is truth and what is not? Mm. One thing that I picked up on uh, while you so were So the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, go on, go on. Sorry, sorry. No, I was just uh, saying that the answer to that question is simply personal accountability, personal responsibility. Because at the end of the day, we all have to stand in front of Allah and count for ourselves. Mm. Um, so say uh, you were giving some sort of helpful tip to a person that you were working with do you think something like approaching a conversation with your partner and saying um or beginning or, or saying things that begin with i do you think that's a good way of going about it so saying i am feeling this uh this is how i feel in this situation do you think that's helpful i think it's definitely a great start especially when 
you haven't been communicating that way. It's always about uh, been about you, 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 like pointing the finger and blame. Um, I think it's definitely a great start to shift because relationships, it's not like a black and white thing and it's not like a all or nothing thing. It's like, it's a slow, it's a gradual transition of you changing and then you shifting in how you communicate. And then that about, that brings about shift in the relationship, in the dynamics. So I, I would say that's definitely a great start. And as I said earlier, um, you know, uh, as I said earlier, the thing about um, feelings, right? We can talk about feelings. However, there is a difference between doing the right thing or saying the right thing versus expressing your feelings. Meaning that, remember, feelings are just indicating the quality of our thinking. Okay, and what I'm trying to describe is there's a difference between expressing your feelings, which is just what you're thinking, right? Because uh, feelings are created, are a reflection of the thoughts that are going on underneath in the moment, in the present moment. And there's a difference between being in your heart-centered wisdom, having being connected to yourself and being connected to Allah because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always guiding us always he's always guiding us through our wisdom our uh, basira our intuition and being connected to that comes from here comes from the heart it doesn't come from the head our feelings and our thinking comes from the head and so <clears throat> when you're present in the moment connected to yourself and you have goodwill towards the person in front of you especially in a marriage with any relationship, but especially in a marriage when you have goodwill, you know, and you're, and you have taqwa, you're going to communicate in a way very intuitively with wisdom. You will know what to say and what not to say. Cause sometimes keeping silent is better and, and allowing space uh, and sitting in the discomfort of your own feelings and, and holding that space for yourself and allowing space for interaction, um, I think is very powerful. So for an example, asking questions like, you know, what do you think would be a good way for us to deal with this? And being open here to hearing the other person, not to give your own response, but hearing to understand listening to understand yeah that's that's so powerful um uh, we often hear about good listening and 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 that we should you know try and work on our listening but i completely agree it's all about um not preparing your answer to whatever the person in front of you is saying in your head but actually really hearing and listening to what they have to say um let's talk then a little bit more about divorce um are there situations or scenarios that would warrant a divorce um, in your experience? Or do you think it's just very much couple dependent? It's all very much case by case situation. I think <clears throat> it's not a clear cut answer. I think there's definitely things in our, in our Dean that we are taught that are grounds for divorce, right? If there's certain rights that are not being, um, uh, given or if there's certain oppression that's happening, you know, I mean, there are certain rights, even <clears throat> the first khula that happened in our faith is when, <clears throat> you know, a, a woman comes to the Prophet ﷺ and says that she cannot uphold the rights that her husband has over her because she doesn't like the way he looks. And, you know, the name is escaping me right now, but like, you know, her, her reasoning was, I don't like, I don't want to be with him. I don't like the way he looks. He's not physically appealing to me. I have no problem with his character. And, um, that was not a allowing her to, from the heart, be the wife that she wanted to be or, or he deserved to have, right? Even though he was in love with her. So like our, our faith in our deen is not about any type of suppression or oppression 
and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has forbidden oppression for himself and he does not allow it between his servants and I'm going to say most importantly us oppressing ourselves that has to come first and foremost because we we skip that part and we talk about other people's rights over uh, that they have over us and how we we cannot oppress other people and to be merciful to other people but we skip ourselves in in not oppressing ourselves or being merciful to ourselves right and that is included in what Allah expects of us so it's very much a it's very much a individual couple dependent thing because like i said if you are looking at your relationship as a test which is going to be you know if you're looking at it as a means right it's half our faith what does that mean <laughs> marriage is half your faith not the wedding but the marriage is half your faith right so if you're looking at it as like what why is that it means that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala between you as a couple when you're interacting with each other, when you're speaking to each other, when you're, you know, living together. Or is he not? Is he in the picture or is he not? So it's a means of getting, it's a means of the ultimate goal of getting back to Allah, getting back to Jannah. And your marriage can be that for you or it could take you away uh, from Allah. And that's the grounds for, for divorce as well. If for whatever reason you're not compatible or you're not able to give the person their rights or become closer to Allah, like it's taking you away from Allah. Absolutely. Um, but I think we have to start with not blaming each other, number one, and taking account of personal accountability and responsibility and then seeing, you know, is this healthy for me, this marriage, for my spiritual, emotional, physical well-being? Um, what's the purpose of this marriage? Like, is it bringing me closer to Allah? Is it serving a purpose? you know, um, or is it taking me away from Allah? So I think those are some broad spectrum things that need to be considered. And then there's a lot of itty bitty things, but they all fall into those categories. Okay. Um, let's move on a little bit about the stigma that surrounds divorce in our community, in the Muslim community. Um, what would you say about that? Um, especially sort of in your experience, in your work, have you seen that change um, over time at all? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a time in our faith where it wasn't a stigma and it's changed. And, and honestly, to tell you the truth, I see sparks and I see uh, it, it is shifting. It is changing. Why? Because we are becoming more educated and we are seeking more knowledge about our deen. Okay, and the thing is that you know this is why Allah Subhanahu wa Taala makes it a incumbent on each individual to seek knowledge. It's our job to know our deen, ourself, not just what people tell us. It's to question, it's to understand, it's to seek out until the heart is satisfied and content. And I I see more of that happening now. Um, and you know, I actually have a masterclass on my website that's called why divorce is actually not a dirty word. And in that masterclass, I unpack all of the Quranic verses and the Hadith that show us that our, where, that show us that our marital status is not what gives us our honor, our value, our worth, our dignity, and our respect. We get that from existing. We get that from being a servant of Allah that comes directly from Allah to the self and no one and nothing can get in between that. But if we don't realize that, then there's a lot of things, uh, stigmas, stereotypes, people that get in, that can get in between that and affect our self-esteem and our self-confidence and our sense of self-worth. Mm, absolutely. You've led right into my next question, which, which is all about if um, family or friends, sort of um, come to a person who would like a divorce and they say otherwise that they should stay together. Um, what are your thoughts on that and that sort of involvement? And I guess that's related to the stigma that we've just spoken about. Yeah, that's such a powerful thing that's happening in our ummah is because when people go for nasiha and advice to their family, their elders, their loved ones, right? Nobody wants to see a marriage break up, right? Like that's, we're trying to preserve marriages to the best of our ability. But sometimes, you know, Allah SWT has offered that to us as a way out as well. 
And one thing to understand is that when in this, not everybody's like this, but majority of people are like, when parents or loved ones give you advice, no, just stay, just stay. And one thing we hear a lot is just have patience and stay. It'll be fine. You know, things will change. Well, nothing will change unless you change. Number one. Number two is the our loved ones can also be very emotionally attached, meaning they have their own thinking and their own ideas of why a divorce would not be good for you. And a lot of it is based on fear. A lot of it is based on fear and it's based on subconscious ingrained beliefs around these stereotypes and um, uh, biases that people have about divorce, especially about divorced women, okay? Um, and, and they're operating from that space. So I would definitely, and I've talked to so many women like this and I've supported so many women that like their family is saying one thing and that pressure is so difficult to crack and to break because you're hearing this and then you're feeling all these feelings of guilt of like, and it, and it, and it goes into self-loathing and self-bashing that you're feeling guilty for thinking this, for wanting this. Maybe as Allah is upset with me, you know, all these things. And to clear that fog and to clear that haze and to get the clarity that you need to make the choice that you need in the decision. Because like I said, at the end of the day, we have to account to Allah the decisions that we make. Our parents are not going to intercede for us. Right? Those people are not going to intercede for us. So the choices that you make for your life have to come with clarity and confidence from yourself. And if you're in a state of confusion to seek out help, first asking Allah, making dua for Allah to give you that clarity and to send you the help that you need to make the right choice and decision for yourself. Pray istikhara. Somebody once told me, oh, you don't pray istikhara to, to end your marriage. And I didn't know any better, so I was like, huh? I kind of believed them. But then I, re I learned later on that it's the hard for, it's for anything or any anything, anything. And sometimes, you know, like the purpose of life is not marriage. Purpose of life is to worship Allah. And a marriage can be one of the means. And a divorce can be one of the means as well. So it's very, uh, you know, uh, independent um, and uh, specific to, to you as an individual. So I, what I would say is to... Seek out professional help, seek out a neutral third party, because sometimes even parents, and I'll tell you one thing, parents, um, they mean well and they have your best interests at heart, but if they're not in their own wisdom, and if they're emotionally charged, which how could they not be when their child is going through a test, then they're not going to give you the right nasiha. And I'll tell you, my family uh, was not, is not was not necessarily um, approving of my divorce, and my divorce wasn't something that I chose. However, I didn't want to get divorced, but Allah knew that this wasn't the right place for me at this time. And I will say that my marriage and my divorce was exactly what I needed when I needed it. But I want to I want to say this point too when I turn to Allah and when I got the clarity that I needed for what was happening in my life and the and how I was moving forward because when you're in a state of clarity and you're in a state of confidence and you have that yaqeen and that tawakkul that radiates onto other people it reassured my mother it reassured my family that okay if I'm with Allah and Allah's with me then I'm good it doesn't matter like 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 she was so reassured and then she stopped like pressuring me or asking questions and she just felt reassured. Oh, okay. If you, she said to me, Raisa, if you have that much trust and faith and tawakkul in Allah, then that's fine. Then whatever, <laughs> whatever you do, whatever you decide, then what, why am I asking, you know, type of reassurance. So, so that radiates to other people. So what I'm saying is that get yourself to that place. Don't rely on other people to get you there. Rely on Allah and Allah will bring you whatever people you need in your path. That's amazing, mashallah. Um, I'm sure that this will be so helpful to our um, listeners, um, you know, maybe in the present, maybe in the future, who knows? So thank you. Um, you've already touched uh, beautifully on how that stigma can be reduced with our own family members, even our parents. Um, I wanted to move on to, you've already touched on this as well, um, but clients that you've worked with where it has been challenging in the sense that 
they don't want a divorce, but they kind of should, or the other way around. Yeah. You're right about that. It's always, it's always a struggle. It's a heartbreak when one person does and the other person doesn't, right? And, oh, wow, that is very turbulent. And the reason why I said that is because when one person does and the other person doesn't, there's a lot of nuanced emotional manipulation, some, you know, there could be gaslighting, you know, a term called gaslighting that, that could be going on where people are, can feel like they're being guilted into staying or they're feeling like the bad person or the evil person. And it's, that's what I mean by very turbulent. So, you know, some of the things I help people to do is separate the feelings to what is the right thing for me to be doing? What is Allah looking for me to be doing in this situation right now? And know that it is a test. It absolutely is a test uh, in, you know, in our relationships. And we know we're going to get tested in our relationships as well. Um, so going back to remind me of your question again. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Just about um, clients that you've had that have been... Um that 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 you, you can see that perhaps a divorce uh would be the right thing here but they're not inclined to do that mm. okay or if or if you know they they come to you and they say i would like a divorce because of such and such and such but actually you it doesn't seem like there are proper grounds if you will for divorce and it might be a case of more reflection that we mentioned before how do you navigate those challenges in your own work with those clients? Yeah. So when I listen to people, I listen from here and being in my own wisdom and connected to myself, it allows me to hear beyond their words. What's really going on for them underneath? What are the needs that are not being met? And it looks like it's something else that's causing those unmet needs for them. So definitely for sure, I help people to gain clarity on their choice, on their decisions, so they can feel clear, confident, um, and have that, um, that conviction in the choice and the decision that they're making. I, I don't necessarily tell them what they should be doing because I don't have that information. That's between them and Allah. And... Um, so I help them to separate their feelings. Oh, I'm feeling like this. I'm feeling like this. So we, we go to the root cause of where is, why are you feeling this way? Where is this actually coming from? And more than not, it's not coming from someone else. It's coming from something that's going on within them. So it is a journey and a process. And a lot of times people come and they just want a quick answer, you know, like, you know, oh, and, and they've been sitting on the fence. Most people have been sitting on the fence I kid you not, years and decades of making a choice of how to, what to do in their marriage. And they just want, they're just like so fed up and burned up and they just want to, they just want to answer and they want to move on. They want to be done with it. And I have to help them slow down and come back home, come back home, come back to the present moment and let's deal with this step by step because you have to feel calm. Confident, clear, and conviction in your choice because you're going to have to answer for it when you go back to Allah. And you have to feel good about, you have to be in alignment with what you're doing, right? Like, and feeling fulfilled and, and feeling good about your choices and your decisions only comes when you have that clarity and you have that confidence and conviction. So it's helping them separate feelings or, you know, emotional stuff versus what you, what you said of what they need to do. Like, you know, what is their, what is their intuition telling them? What is their wisdom telling them? And most of us have been taught to suppress our intuition, suppress our wisdom and do what we are being told to do, what we, what we think people are expecting us to do, you know, whether it's family, culture, society, whatever it is, that's how we've been taught. So I help them to tap back into their intuition, their own wisdom, their connection to themselves and to Allah to find that answer for them. And, you know, it's not for everybody. Because there's going to be people who are not going to resonate with this. It's going to be only for people who want real healing, real change and transformation. Mm. You um, mentioned also peaceful parting uh, previously. 
what does that look like um i can appreciate it's different for different people um but any kind of clients journeys that you can recall now and share that with us um or some some general general uh ideas on what a peaceful parting might look like yeah that's such a huge part of our deen and it's exactly how allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us that when we divorce and in surah talaq it's not even if you divorce it's when you divorce you do it this way with kindness with fairness with justice right um and so what does that require? That requires taqwa. That requires being conscious of Allah in how you show up with this person. In terms of your separation, in separation, it's feelings, intense feelings come up. Maybe with anger, maybe with bitterness, maybe with resentment, maybe with hurt, with pain. So are you acting on your feelings? Are you acting on truth, on, on what is pleasing to Allah? That is how I help people. Okay, wait a minute. We don't want to make emotional decisions here um, because what hurt people hurt people. That's just a fact. Healed people heal people. So I help people in terms of when somebody is like when their spouse or other family members are getting involved and they're saying, you know, they're, they're, so many times things come up of, oh, he, he did this and she did this and, you know, uh, this all the stuff from the past comes drudging into the present moment and people can get very caught up in that scenario and trying to defend or blame themselves and turns into a big ugly fight. I help people to come back to what is important here. What is Allah looking for me to do in this moment? Every moment we have to ask ourselves that. And am I going to choose Allah or am I going to choose my ego? And uh, that is the test. And so coming back to what is really important, is that important right now? Is that relevant right now? What is it that you want? Which direction are you headed in? Let's focus on that. And, and yeah, we, we, we need to address your feelings. But remember, your feelings are coming from your own thinking. So we can address that. And, and, and what is the lesson in this? What is the healing in this? We, we don't need someone else for the healing, for the closure, for the lesson. It's between you and Allah. And so it's an opportunity to rise above your ego, to be your best self, to show up with Ahsan the way Allah SWT commands us to do, right? Um, in the Quran. And that's what I mean by peaceful parting, because when you are at peace with yourself, then your, in your actions and your interactions are going to reflect that. That's amazing. I think you've put that in such clear perspective and yeah I've just really learned from that and and the sort of different lenses that we can try to use to look at a separation um that brings us out of our own feelings um I wonder how you think grief is related to divorce um because of of course a separation um has certain links to divorce how would you um say that those two are related yeah i love that question and i have a a, a free guide on my website as well it's called the seven stages of coping and healing with your divorce and it's all about grief i mean grief is real and but what is grief grief is feelings are intense emotions sadness anger shock denial um depression bartering hope and acceptance okay and that is uh, that's the phases that a human being goes through and it's not like okay I went through this and now I'm at this it's it's like up and down up and down up and down and grief is just feelings the, all the feelings I just listed out so when we understand what our feelings mean what they don't mean where they're coming from and how to process them it's so helpful in grieving in allowing grief to come to you and to release it so you're not holding on to those feelings and and what is that what's the end end stage of grief is acceptance which is part of our aqidah like acceptance of the khadr of allah when we can accept and we can surrender to allah's will for us we're not fighting in resistance right because all those other other um feelings is because we can't accept 
because of there's so much underlying thinking of why we can't accept because of this and because of this reason and because we, we interpret it to mean something about our value, we interpret it to mean something about our worth, you know, we interpret it to mean something about our sense of self. And this is where this understanding comes in of, of, of understanding and processing what our feelings mean, what our grief means. And one of my favorite things that was so helpful for me and that I, uh, I share with others is that when the Prophet ﷺ lost his infant baby son, Ibrahim, um, he was grieving. He had so much loss and he did grieve. He grieved his mother. He grieved his, uh, you know, grandfather, his uncle, his wife, Khadija, you know, Rahimallah. But at this particular time, when he lost his, you know, his infant son was dying in his arms. He was crying. He was shedding tears. His heart was grieving. He had sadness. However, he didn't allow those feelings to overtake him. And he said, what he said was, uh, you know, the heart grieves and feels sadness and the eyes cry, but the, but, uh, but the words never say anything that would displease Allah. So we can attain that state as well. You know, we are, uh, the Prophet ﷺ was our example on how to do that. And Allah has made us capable of doing that. Um, and so that's possible within us as well to go through tests and trials, which divorce and separation and heartbreak is, breakups are, and use that test as a means to get closer to Allah, to elevate your character with patience and resilience and all those beautiful characteristics that Allah SWT loves. Um, and also elevate our status with Allah, uh, spiritually for the next life. Mm. Amazing. That's such a beautiful reminder. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I guess uh, after one might go through a divorce, y you might be looking for acceptance, as you mentioned, and closure. Mm. What do you think that looks like? How do you know yeah. you've reached that phase of acceptance and closure? Yeah, when you can feel peace and content with, like, I'm so grateful for the marriage that I had. I'm so grateful for being married to the man that I was. Uh, and even now, we don't have a peace, uh, for me, it's peaceful, but we don't have a peaceful relationship in terms of, like, it's still very high conflict, and it's still, there's there can be a lot of turbulence in our communications, you, you could label it as a high conflict relationship. Um, but for me, I've learned how to neutralize that and communicate and express what I need to, to raise the three children that we have together. So this question that you asked about how do you know you've come to the space of acceptance and closure? I think this feeling of contentment or rida, you know, in Arabic is known as um, being pleased with what Allah has chosen for you in your life experiences. So like, for example, for me, I'm content and I'm happy. Like I said, my marriage and my divorce were both great things that I needed during those times in my life. And I can appreciate how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent me those tests and those experiences to build me, to, to elevate me and being able to like how you know you're accept you, you don't need first of all anybody else to have closure for yourself it's between you and allah like i said and when you you know it's kind of like turning to your mother later on when you become a mother and you're like i get it now you know like i know all the things that you did or you're turning to your parent and saying all the things that they did for us was because they loved us and they cared about us and they wanted only the best for us so when you are no longer fighting or you wished your life was something other than it was, that's how you know that you've come, like when you can appreciate, I needed this at this time in my life. I was going down a path that was destroying me and my akhirah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought me back through this test and, you know, elevated me like, that's like the most beautiful thing someone can do for you. And the love that Allah SWT has for us is canny, it's not even matched to a mother has for her child. And so I think it's in our heart when we 
don't wish that life was any other way than the way it transpired. Because, you know, and also understanding that you had, I'll talk about myself, I had to go through the things that I did and the experiences and the tests that I did to become who I am today. And the only one who is to thank for that is Allah. Uh, just amazing, really. Um... Thank you so much. Um, it's been fantastic. I still have so many more questions. Um, do you think we could schedule another podcast? I would love to. I'd love to. This is my drive and my passion and my heart. My heart speaks. And, you know, I want to say that whatever I have said that has touched you or anyone else who's listening to this, it comes from Allah. It's directly from Allah to you. And if you're hearing this, you're meant to hear this. And anything that I've said that is wrong or is not correct or is displeases Allah, it comes from my own soul, my own nafs. And um, I would love to to have another conversation about this because it brings me so much joy. And I appreciate you listening and inviting me and uh, helping me to share this message. Inshallah, Raisa. Thank you so much for your time. I'm sure we'll do this again. And assalamu uh, alaikum. You're very welcome. Wa alaikum salam wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair for joining me on this episode of the Mindful Muslim podcast. I really hope you've benefited from it. It was amazing speaking to Raisa Giwala. I know I certainly benefited. Inshallah, I will see you on the next one. Make sure to give us your honest feedback as well and like, subscribe and share this episode. Jazakallah khair.